We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Rui Hachimura and I'm a Los Angeles Laker, Tim. How are you Ooh. doing? Doing great, Tom. Loving. Uh, I, that's that's all I've been doing for the past 24 hours. So finally, you know, happy to sit down and talk about it. Uh, good trade. Good trade. Feeling happy. An insanely good trade. And I don't really... <laughs> Look, I saw some tweets that were just like, are we really sure he's worth three second round picks? And I'm just like, what? He's three 45th overall pick? And it's really only two because one of them is a swap, right? Mm-hmm. So this is an incredible steal for the Lakers. And I think part of this comes from we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some some other things unrelated to the play just to get it. But we're going to dive deep into offense, defense, the data, the film trying to give a pretty good look to uh, the audience of what he could provide for the team before he hopefully debuts on Wednesday uh, against the Spurs. It'd be sick if AD came back that game too. But um, yeah, this is a guy who is, you know, giving quotes to the media after games. Like, I just want to be somewhere who wants me as a basketball player. You know, people asking if he requested a trade, he's answering no comment. And, you know, these situations for, you know, people who haven't been in a, even a locker room who isn't winning games, this is the kind of stuff that is is very bad for, you know, the overall uh, mood and morale of a team is to have somebody on the team who just doesn't feel like they're wanted. If you've ever been a part mm-hmm. of a team, if there's one part of that team, team member who doesn't feel appreciated or, you know, valued, it really can pull everyone down or the the success of the entire group. So, and then Tim, on top of that, this is another in what has become a very strong relationship between the Lakers and Wizards front office. You know, going back to the uh, the, the Wagner-Thomas Bryant trades from a couple years ago, these teams obviously have a relationship, you know, whether it's Rob Palenka and is it Tommy Shepard, GM? Yeah. 
Yep. You know, whether it's just them or Rob and somebody else, or, you know, they've obviously built a relationship there to where Rob was able to sneak in the back door, kind of get the friend negotiation up front before this went to the full, you know, and it's not like teams were going to be, you know, really competing to throw first over it. It seems like the Wizards just wanted to be done with it, move on, save a little bit of money in the short term, get some second round picks to attach to other deals going forward, you know, in the future. And the Lakers were able to get a, a rookie contract with team control going into the summer. Amazing for an expiring and Kendrick Nunn, who is if you, even if he wasn't expiring, if they had, you know, better bird rights, I don't think they're bringing him back. This is a guy that was functionally out of the rotation before uh, Reeves and Walker got injured. Right. With Schroeder um, coming on uh, on that minimum and, and playing a lot better than maybe people thought with uh, Russ coming off the bench, you know, the guard rotation felt more secure there so we're even having to play Reeves and Beverly up at a position this is a guy you're perfectly swapping in with size with youth and despite maybe being slightly limited in some areas Tim this is a person who is no longer going to have the ninth overall pick cloud over them uh expectations they're going to come to a market who desperately wants him right I think Lakers fans are desperately uh you know, in desire for something to make this team better and someone else to be able to go out there on the court and, and contribute on a regular basis. I'm sorry. I know on a, I'm going on a rant I'm trying to set this up for you, Tim, but it's really surprising to me how, how well the Lakers did here. I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. It's a really good fit. It's a good personal fit for him getting out of that situation, going to this situation. I uh, saw uh, Demontis Sabonis had a quote when he was asked about this yesterday. And he said, oh, yeah, when we were playing over there in college in Gonzaga, he, you know, he said uh, Rui said LA was his city and he's wanted to get back there. So I'm happy for him or something like that. Uh, you know, it's cool for a team on the Pacific Coast, second highest Japanese population or second highest representation of any state behind Hawaii to have one of the two Japanese players in the NBA on their team. So that's probably really neat for him. Uh, and I know a lot of fans are really happy about that. It, it's been cool to just see people, you know, excited to have, have that representation for the team that they root for. Um, but, you know, you covered it short term. He makes more sense. It's positionally, even if he and none were the exact same caliber of player positionally, none is like the fifth or sixth guard in the rotation and Rui has a chance to be the, the like first or second wing in the rotation, depending on how you like categorize LeBron James. So there's just more opportunity here. And adding someone who has that size, adding someone who can help with rebounding, maybe some uh, you know spacing. These are things that the team wants. I wouldn't say Rui as a player is like on the higher end of those skill sets. There's a reason he was this cheap. There's a reason he's available. There's a reason his you know impact data is is the way it is. And uh, perspectives from Wizards fans are what they are, but he does have, you know, quite a frame. He's more of a fit. He's still very young. He's in his, I think, age 24 season. And there's long-term upside here if the Lakers do wish to retain him. And to your point, they traded a guy with rights or they traded for a guy with rights uh, in a way, a guy who was on an expiring. So rather than just having Kendrick Nunn's salary disappear and, you know, go off into the mist and, you know, get nothing back for it, they can retain him long-term because, you know, even if they're operating over the cap 
or whatever it happens to be, they can use those bird rights on him. So that's valuable. We were looking, I forget what the exact numbers were, but the Lakers as a team were at a level where at the end of the season, if they made no deals, they were just going to lose way more like spending power than they were actually going to be able to use in free agency next year. So this is one remedy to that. And, you know, short-term he's a fit long-term you can keep him around. And, you know, there's a bit of reclamation project to this. I think there's also maybe some concern. He wants a lot of money this upcoming year. I know his cap holds like 18 mil. I'd heard rumors that that's around what he's looking for. I don't think that's what he's worth or what he would acquire on an open market. Uh, I know the cap is rising and, and things like that, but it's hard to justify a move like that. But because he'll be a restricted free agent, we'll likely see other teams not you know, make good bids for him because they don't want to tie up their money. If a team makes an offer and he's restricted, the Lakers can wait on it to make a decision whether or not to match. And in the meantime, that team can't use the money that they, you know, bid on him with to acquire other players. So it seems year after year we see restricted free agents retained by their teams for like fairly cheap deals relative to what they otherwise would would get. So I think that's, you know, plays into LA's favor, but at a high level, Tommy, he's he's an okay player that's been a negative imp- negative player, you know, several of his years in the league. If we look at like his impact data, looking at our LeBron metric, uh, F, C, F, and D are his like grades compared to all players. And, you know, at a super high level, that's not the most encouraging. But when you dig in, I think there is a good bit to be excited about. And you see how the fit and his roles and the environment in LA could help him. As everything, Tim, it's uh, it comes with the nuance of not just saying that he's a bad player or he's a good player. It's looking at the opportunity, uh, the skills that he has, and how those two things intersect. And for a basketball team who is desperately in need of young long-term pieces, to be able to get something like this for a couple of seconds when that's, you know, I, I don't even care that the Lakers are great at drafting. They can buy another second. You can usually buy another second. And these are things that are kind of attached to other trades oftentimes just to get you a little bit extra, just to get you a little bit closer. Um, and sure, plenty of great players have been drafted in the second round, but you're not going to draft a great player every year in the second round. It's just not. And if you do, you might lose that player because you don't have the cap room to keep them long-term so they have the opportunity to succeed on the parent team um, or they're not going to stick around period because they're just not good enough um, against the, even the higher um, competition in the G league. So this is an NBA player, right? This isn't a guy who was on the G league, you know, last year or something. This is an NBA player for better or worse playing NBA minutes. And they give, that gives the team uh, flexibility, like you said, positionally, that now this is a guy at the wing who, you know, could theoretically create his own shot in shot like late shot clock situations. And, you know, Troy Brown's not doing that. We've seen, we've seen it the last couple of games, right, Tim? We saw some Troy mm-hmm. Brown late shot clock pick and roll. They're like, God, please no. But Rui yep. can get down there and get a mid-range shot. And it's, you know, he's not great in the, the last four seconds this year per synergy, but he can make some tough shots there. And it's just it's just another 
It's just another guy. It's just another big body who I think can provide the Lakers with some better offense off the bench. Absolutely. And when looking at like what that impact has been, the context around it is really important. What have his jobs been? Because if you look at his data, whether it's the overall impact data or more granular stuff, there's less consistency year after year than you tend to see partially because his roles have changed so drastically. If you, you know, just pull up his like basketball reference page or something and look at his position, power forward, power forward, power forward, power forward. Okay. He's a power forward. If you look at his roles, his offensive roles, his defensive roles, he's never had the same role for more than one season. He's had four different offensive roles in four seasons. He went roll and cut big, shot creator, stationary shooter, this year athletic finisher. Those are He's got wing roles in there. He's got big man roles in there, off ball, on ball. Those are very different jobs. Defensively, he started out as a mobile big, a big man job, then as a wing stopper, then last year as a helper, more of an off ball wing role, and then this year as a low activity defender. So he's being hidden away from any tough matchups, and he's not frequently helping. Those are very drastically different roles. And it's, you know, we've heard like Kyle Kuzma and guys for the Lakers talk about you know, without the consistency, it's hard to get in a rhythm. And from a minute standpoint, from a job standpoint, when you're like one day you show up at practice and you're going to work with the big men, the other day you're going to practice and you're going and doing like wing drills. Like it's, it's a very different environment as a guy who, when I played, I was a big man originally. And then other people kept growing and I didn't get past like six, two. So then I became a guard. And that's so, you know, it's a tough transition. I don't know that he went through that as like a youth player, but it just speaks to his job has been very different. And I think in LA, he can get more consistency. We know exactly what we want from him. We are not trying to figure out, okay, what justifies this guy being a ninth pick in the draft? You know, we're not going to throw him into a shot creator role because we need him to be something that he isn't. And what I think is really encouraging to me is if I look at these roles and I pick the ones that I think fit best with what the Lakers will need. And those are stationary shooter offensively and wing stopper defensively. If you pick his offensive impact from the stationary shooter year and his defensive impact from the wing stopper year, if they would have happened in the same season, his overall impact would have been the highest of his career. And it would have been roughly the same or pretty much equal in our LeBron metric as Malik Monk last year and Russell Westbrook this season. Different player, does different things. But from an impact standpoint, if you use, I think there's room to optimize his skill sets if you just have him do the right two jobs in the same year. Um, So there's just hidden low-hanging fruit upside that maybe for the Wizards doesn't fit what they need him to do. But for LA is the natural fit. It's not me saying, oh, well, if he can be a shot creator and a low activity guy, we don't really need those things. This is the two things he's done well at are the two things the Lakers need. And that is easily missed if you're only looking at like his position or box score data. That is super interesting. I mean, that's, I mean, Washington hasn't gone anywhere in these last four seasons, right? So it's not like he walked in to a super stable situation you know, they extended Beal, but things are, you know, now there's Porzingis there, and that completely changes the uh, geometry of the court for a guy like Rui. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting to get into, yeah, some of the lineups later. But for now, I think what you said there about him just being a stationary shooter is great because 
you know, that's what he's been used for at, in, I think, a lot of this year as well. I know his role as an athletic finisher. But part of that is because he's getting looks at the rim from closing out, right? Mm-hmm. So he's yes. attacking corner closeouts and getting athletic finishes at the rim. Uh, but it kind of starts with him being in the corner as a rotation guy. And then he's huge, right, and fairly fluid as a mover. So he gets the ball. He's not a great dribbler, but you give him some space in a lane, he can put it down, get his arm into you, bump you off a spot, finish up and uh, double clutch through uh, you know, a, a helper. Um, I haven't seen great like passing from him. It's just the limited film I saw, but – He's good at getting to the rim and attacking closeouts, and he'll have great shot quality, I'm sure. Uh, much improved shot quality playing around LeBron, and I think Russ will be uh, will be good for him as well. Yeah, that's yeah. something I'd love to talk, touch on, and you, you make a good point. He, you know, He's more of like a, a spot-up player from a play-type standpoint, and that's what the Lakers need. And if you're a spot-up guy that's only catching and shooting – you may end up as a stationary shooter versus a guy who's spotting up, attacking closeouts, getting to the rim, and has a low three-point attempt rate, which is what those athletic finishers are doing. And he's always had a lower three-point attempt rate his whole career, not just this season, not his first year, every every season. Um, and that's not that he's not taking threes. He's still attempting to – it was it actually raised. It was like 1.9 a game, then like then, – then, hang on, I, I have it right here uh 1.7 a game then 2.4 then 2.7 then 2.9 so he's taking about as many threes a game as like troy brown or max christie um but he does so much more at the rim and from mid-range that the percentage of his threes as a factor of his overall shot diet is fairly small um when we look at so he just came off of his most recent game was a 30 point game against orlando uh against orlando but (laughs) 30 points in the nba 18 of those were spot up points. Um, and then he had a, you know, a couple from off screen, a couple cutting, a couple in ISO, a couple in transition, four is a pick and roll ball handler, catching, basically attacking a close up, but going off the ball screen into a pull up two or getting to the rim. He's going to be a quick decision maker. And when we talk about that shot quality, this is where the environment, you want to try to apply that environment and see like, what does that mean for him? We've seen, so last year we saw Malik Monk came to the Lakers from a year he had like F and D shot quality from like three and from the rim, came to the Lakers, got easier shots in those areas, and thus was a much more efficient player. Lonnie Walker this season, coming from San Antonio, he had pretty high shot quality at the rim, pretty high shot quality from three. He came over here, still has high shot quality, actually lower at the rim for him this year, but his shot diet itself has changed. And that has risen his overall shot quality just because he's taking more threes and shots at the rim, less of that mid-range. And I see Rui as being a guy that fits more of the Lonnie Walker shot quality boost uh, area. Like he's he's got he's really, you know, he's good at those mid-range pull-up twos, and that's a big part of his game. It doesn't need to be. It's good to have, but I think replacing those with more kind of spoon-fed threes or cuts or him attacking a wild closeout because someone had to go tag on AD and couldn't just kind of stand next to him and then close out to him a step away. He'll be able to get to the rim more. So from a shot quality standpoint, I do expect him to, to rise a bit. Um, if we compare him to all the guards and wings on the Laker roster, his overall shot quality would rank only above Dennis Schroeder. 
His three-point shot quality would rank only above LeBron and JTA. His rim shot quality would rank second on the team. He does have a B for three-point shot quality. So it's not like it's been awful, but just about every Laker has like A, A plus, A minus. So he's going from a good to a great uh, three-point situation. So that that is helpful. Um, but I guess zooming out a bit more, his three-point shot quality on his career has been pretty good. He's had uh, like A, A minus, A plus the first three seasons. And then this year, he's like at like a C plus or a B. So the rest of his career, he's had pretty good shot quality despite being in a, you know, despite playing for the Wizards. And I'm sure anyone listening to this by now, you're probably aware because I've seen it tweeted out like a million times. His uh, career catch and shoot three point percentage is like 36 and a half percent. I wanted to ask you about this, Tim. So just to give some context on this, it's it's but it's three like bad years and one amazing year. How do you mm-hmm. parse that out, right? Because it's not just like he got hot for a couple months. In 2021-22, he was 54 of 115. 47% on 2.7 attempts per game. Like that's insane. And I just did the math on every the other three seasons, 1920, 21, 20, 2021 20, and 22, 23. And it's like 32.4%. It's 99 of 305, which to me is like who you really are? Right? But how I was also thinking what could have happened in that 21-22 season? Straight up the only thing I can think of is maybe Spencer Dinwiddie's there for half a season getting him better looks but the thing is his shot quality was high in the other in in his rookie Mm. year and last season or two seasons ago as well so that's what to me is the the tricky piece because it's not like the one season he had good quality he shot well it was he's played four seasons three of them he's had really good quality and of those three only one of the years he shot well and so I don't know. Remember how we were looking he didn't at Dennis shoot Well, he shoot incredible. Yeah, he, he shot like nearly 50% on a season. <laughs> like crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, so one very, very, very good year, three years. So you, you said the overall, but like one of the years was 30%. And then the other two years he shot 33.3%. So what what is real there? That's the tricky part. That's what – this is for me, this is his swing skill. If this goes – right he's a huge value huge value for three second round picks because he's good in some other areas of his game that we'll talk about but this is a key thing that you need to do well if he's back at that d d f catch and shoot three-point shot quality i'm sorry d minus d f catch and shoot three-point shot making i should say when you adjust for the shot quality that's not good that's not going to cut it that's what trey brown jr has been doing this year and that's not good enough. You're still going to put up an okay percentage because you're going to get good threes, but the value of your spacing doesn't mean all that. Like, like your gravity won't be as high. And that's what we're looking for for a team that wants to, you know, we want LeBron, Russ, and AD scoring our points. We don't want, you know, we're not expecting him to be this great off-screen shooter that has incredible gravity that opens things up for others. So that is really the key part Um I don't like just looking at the career percentage because it's misleading. Uh, So I'm worried uh, that could kind of make or break this. Um, It's encouraging to me that he at least has like two and a half to three attempts per game. It's not like he's shooting one attempt per game or something like that. But yeah, I, 
I, I think it's right to be skeptical of this. And I'm going to go see what his, his, his like uh, true talent three point percentages on the Darko app, which we've used in the past. Um, I mean, you said his shot quality is high. Do you think it'd be, it'll, it'll be higher on this team, but the volume will probably be lower. Uh, well, his volume this year is the same as Trey Brown's volume this year. Well, that, he he got buried this year. To be fair, like I guess it was lower than you know last year when he did do really well shooting the ball, and he had probably more of a usage and kind of more of a role on that team. I think. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I that could be fair. Uh, his true talent three point percentage right now is thirty six point three percent. But understand that for most of his career, those have been on really, really high quality shots. So I think his quality for the Lakers is going to be higher than this year in Washington. It'll probably be on par with his other years in Washington. Okay, gotcha. So I expect even if he's like a D shot maker, he's going to have good quality and he's going to put up Troy Brown shooting numbers. And if he has a year like he had last year, he's going to put up some some darn good numbers, like around 40% or higher. So I, and he has been trending up recently um, from a three point shooting standpoint. So I think that's helpful. But this for sure is an area of his game that I think it's right to be skeptical of, and that probably has something to do with his value right now as a player. Um, hard to know what to expect there, uh, because yeah, that that level of swing is just like insane. Um, mm-hmm. So. But one thing I think he does bring to the team, Tim, and I, I, I don't think this can be you know discounted at least in the regular season, is uh, he can create shots for himself. Uh, he's the kind of player. He's got size. He's got a little bit of wiggle. He can bump you, get a mid range shot off. Seventy uh, fourth percentile in mid range shot making, on eighteenth percentile shot quality at mid range shots. It just kind of tells me he just shoots right over you because you're a little bit less long than him. He's got good extension on his jumper, so he you know shoots the ball from a high point. He's got good balance. Um, he sometimes can be a little bit like, yeah, he doesn't have a great touch, I think, which I think is why he doesn't have a floater game. In the few like times I saw him drive to the basket, it's like, oh, there's the floater. He's just like, nope, I'm gonna go into this dude and try to get like a contact layup, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's something that I feel will probably be frustrating. Maybe he'll get coached to kick that ball out. You know, this is a lot of, you know, cutting up his game kind of talk right now. Right, Tim? So what do you yep. think about his self-creation and um, I guess like how that can provide for the Lakers in the short term? Yeah, it'll be nice late clock. He's someone that, you know, I feel more comfortable with him. Eight on the clock. We got to go figure something out. He can go make something happen. It's nice that he can do it on the inside and the outside compared to his rotation wing peers. He's had B, B minus, and B stable post-up efficiency the past three seasons. So when he does decide to go to the post, he's a pretty big dude. There's a chance teams playing the Lakers are going to switch things. He might be able to just bully somebody. And and I'm good with that. Uh, He also, you know, in previous seasons, his perimeter isolation had not been good. This year, it's gone up a bunch. It was Ds and Fs those other years. Now it's an A minus. So... If that continues, that's a huge boost. If it goes back to the DF territory, that's really concerning. Um, when we look at his mid-range shooting and you break it down, and the floater game is part of this, from like the long mid-range 
area of the court, he's been very good. Uh, from the short mid-range area of the court, he has not been good at all. Floater's part of that. He doesn't have the like even like the pull-up jumper closer to the rim. And so to your point, I want him kicking it out or, you know, if something's at the rim, take it. But, you know, if not, hey, jump stop, maybe throw a pump fake up. If they jump, go into him, get free throws. If they, you know, come to you, maybe you have a dump off available. If not, maybe you have a kick out. So that that's that missing piece, I think, is important. You want your guys to be good around like at that shorter mid-range area. It's more efficient ball. And it's also like what is left if the rim is taken away. Him being really good at like long mid mid-range shots is more like, you know, spot up, pump fake, one dribble in, pull up. And I don't know. That that's good. It's good to have, but it's not as valuable, I think, to me as that short mid-range. Uh same thing with like, you know, pick and roll, just dribble into a pull-up. And looking at uh one thing that I think relates to this, if you look at his tendencies as a driver. When he drives to his right, he gets to the rim pretty well. When he drives to his left, he's much, much more frequently pulling up, which is not uncommon. So that's uh, just a, a handedness related thing that you see for a lot of players. But um, keep an eye out for that. You might notice that. But overall, it's a boost. It's not something that needs yeah. to be a big part of his job, but it's nice to have. Just like with Lonnie Walker, it's been nice to have. So Malik Monk, it was nice to have. So I'm not complaining about this. I want to see a little bit less of it. Because I, I think he'll be in a better spot to do smarter, efficient, more efficient things as a role player. I was going to say, uh, eight seconds left and you just got to go do something. Sounds like perfect fit. Sounds like our offense. No, <laughs> Hey, man, they, they've, been, they've been looking good. They're doing some smart things. They're, the offense has not been the problem. They look good uh, when they're, you know, coming back from 25. And they look bad when they're getting down 25. Um, that's true. It's Perfectly balanced, you know, mm-hmm. as all things should be. Um, and this is similar, like you mentioned, uh, I think Malik Monk getting those quality improvements. Um, Lonnie Walker just getting those opportunities. You know, the volume probably won't be there from the place they were before, but they're going to be put in a position to succeed. And um, I'm curious to see what he'll look like as a cutter around some of these, you know, helper sets that the uh, Lakers offense seems to face and when, especially when AD is going to come back. How does that look? So, I guess I'm curious what you think how the how the Rui and AD matchup or Rui AD and Braun, how those could cuz those are three big guys. Like it just gives you size on the wing and that could mean more I don't I don't want to get into defense yet, but it just could be more switchability. And uh, that could mean on offense too, just trying to screen for each other, get a switch you like, and attack in space, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it makes some sense. He he's just a bigger he's a bigger body. He's bigger defensively, offensively. You know, the size is helpful. The size it's good to be able to have extra guys that you can't go hide a small guard on him because he could just go post them up. It's not a huge piece of his game, but it's something he can do. He's going to be really good on the offensive boards uh, from a putback standpoint. That's been something he's really good at. He's a very good cutter. So I see him answering your question to to play off of LeBron and AD when defenses are like loading up against them. Like something Kendrick Dunn was good at this year was he had a really, you know, good instincts about when to cut. And the problem was he's tiny. Rui, when he cuts, it's going to be much more difficult to 
recover back to him and contest him at the rim without fouling after, you know, loading up against LeBron or AD or Russ, Russ or whoever it is. So I see him being a really good fit in that regard. He's been a solid post-up and ISO guy. So if teams are switching and he has a mismatch on the perimeter or on the interior, I'm encouraged by that. And then just the spot-up shooting. If the spot-up shooting is good, he can be standing on the perimeter. If the spot-up shooting is not good, he might be more a guy that's living in the dunker spot and able to like really set some good pin and flare screens or cut to flash to the rim. Um, so I still want to you know see how LA tries to use him positionally because I think that'll dictate how he might be utilized. But if he can be just a somewhat reliable perimeter shooting threat, I think it opens up a lot of possibilities because you can you can utilize him in a bunch of different ways, which is something you want to have and. Uh, to your point on defense, being able to remove one of the least switchy players on the roster and add a guy who's a good size to be able to do that is is pretty important. Um, I'll note his defensive positional versatility throughout his career has been, it's good, but compared to other wings, it's it's been about average, which is fine. That, that's okay. It's not that he's not versatile. He's not one, he hasn't been one of the more versatile guys, but part of that is scheme as well. So that may not be the best way to evaluate that skill set or not. Yeah, just like comparing uh, the shot quality of what Rui might be expecting on the Lakers. Um, in comparison to who's already on the Lakers, who would you say is going to have a similar kind of diet of shots, at least in the quality range? I mean, I think he'll be able to do what Troy Brown does. Like, I think that's the position, and I think that's the offensive role that he's most likely to fill. And then instead of us feeling bad about Troy Brown Jr. trying to like self-create occasionally, we'll we'll feel better about Rui trying to self-create. Neither of them are great playmakers. I think Rui's better at the rim. Uh, and he creates, he's able to create more at the rim. But in, from a utilization standpoint, I expect him to be utilized similarly to how Brown was used. And I, with Brown having played over Christie the whole season, we might just see Rui start with Brown his backup and then be continue to use, be used in similar ways. Or maybe Ruiz played at a bigger position or Brown has played at a smaller position. I'm not sure exactly, but I, I think that would be the guy I would peg as being most, from a from a role standpoint, most similar offensively. It's funny, like Rui and Troy, I feel like if you combine those two guys, it would be like, you know, borderline superstar level wing, just because it's almost the perfect kind of wing player in two players so that you have that offensive kind of leaning wing who can maybe provide a little bit more when you need that creation and, you know, maybe a little bit of spacing. And I think Troy, um, you know, obviously is, is, is struggling in the offensive department and, and not just uh, having to do too much, but knowing what's going on at times, you know, <laughs> and where to be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but he, he plays hard on defense, right? He's a solid wing defender and, uh, you know, having two guys that kind of fulfill that one great role and having that flexibility there, I think is important. And you have the versatility of, uh, a little bit bigger and a little bit more fast speed. Um, and I think those guys are, are really good compliments, but it's going to be interesting who gets squeezed here. I think I have a feeling it's going to be Juan Toscano Anderson because he's been pretty bad lately, I think, and uh, disappointing. Uh, Wenyan's still playing well. I can see him still getting minutes. Thomas Bryant's playing well. 
you know, so when AD comes back and that front court rotation starts to change a little bit, I do think Troy will get less minutes, but I ultimately think it's JTA and, um, you know, maybe Lonnie, their minutes kind of get curtailed and who knows, maybe we see another trade here uh, in the next few weeks as well. Yeah. Yeah. The Lakers might not be done. Rui's a good fit. I, he's absolutely going to have opportunity and it's at a position of need. And part of that need is, is defense. I think we've covered his offense. Well, let's we're expecting, Tim, let's you know, tease this. I'm going to, we're going to take a quick break here. Sorry. I, uh, I should have done that last. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about Rui's defense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so we're back. We, we threw it offensively. Playmaking, not really his thing. Short roll playmaking, that's been something Troy Brown's been good at. Rui, I, I need to watch more film. Um, shooting, perimeter shooting, maybe a little iffy. The self-creation will be a nice boost. He'll be able to get to the rim and finish at the rim decently, which will be nice. So the, that's kind of what he's bringing on that end of the court. We expect some higher shot quality. We expect a good fit. Now, defensively, this is another thing that I want to be excited about I this this is a need the Lakers offense has been good since the awful awful horrific start they've been like fifth or sixth best in the league offensively and for much of that without Anthony Davis defensively we saw we did the playback stream against the Kings getting killed on the boards we've seen a number of teams be able to just beat up LA inside uh LA struggling to contain on ball all screen navigation like there are elements of of the Laker game that defensively needs to be improved and so now we've got Rui entering the situation he's 6'8 230 he's got a 7'2 wingspan that's a it's a wing playing a wing it's not a guard trying to be a wing uh it's not Kent Bazemore trying to be a wing it's not Troy Brown you know trying to be a wing he's maybe more of like a two than a three uh this is a wing and that is valuable um size is important but looking at his effectiveness, I think there are some areas he's he's better than others. Uh, on ball, I, this is one area that I've watched a, a good bit more film on for him because this is one that, you know, we have the we have the data. The data tells us compared to his wing peers, he's been below average the past three seasons as an on ball defender. And over the the years, his matchup difficulty has not been particularly high, other than that one wing stopper season which was his best season defensively. But looking at the film on his defense on ball, he, uh, I, I don't remember if it was, was it on a pod? I forget. I think this was something Taylor brought up. I don't remember if it was on a stream or a BB iPod or something, but he talked about guys being like wide or narrow, not necessarily like, <laughs> yes. okay, you, were, you were there for that, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Was, his argument was Max is the, the most narrow player in, in the game. Okay, Ru- that's that's right. Rui to me, he seems like one one of the more wide guys. When I see when I see players try to attack him, they might try to attack his shoulder, and then they just can't get past it. He doesn't necessarily move, but he doesn't really seed ground. To like, if you're gonna go around him, you have to really go around him if you're gonna try to attack him with speed, which is helpful. Um, he also has a good base, and you know, takes. I think he defends power well. Um, he could take some hits. He can hold his ground. The types of players I saw have the most success against him in 1v1 situations were guys that could put some moves on him. Like if you could, you know, get in your in your dribble move bag and get some step backs or a, a fake one way and a crossover to the other. He was, you know, a little bit heavier on his feet to deal with things like that. But against just pure speed, or against power, I thought he did a fairly good job and he has enough length to recover well and contest even if you do beat him. So I have, I'm, I think the film, or at least the film I've watched so far, has me intrigued at the possibility of giving him more of a, a meaty defensive role than he's had for Washington this year in a low activity, like hiding position. Yeah, I still think um, he'll 
probably get a little bit more wing stopper opportunity on this team, which is good because, like you said, that's you know what he did really well in that uh, in his best defensive season. Um, but it's it's the foot speed stuff that's tough because you know wings go around screens. You know Paul George is going to come around a a little curl screen, and you're going to have to navigate around that. And um, he's just a little bit slow-footed from what I've seen. And that's going to be tough for him to to navigate the screens. Yeah. And he's been, over his career, he's been primarily a switch defender in ball screens. He has the size for it to be able to take on a roll man, which makes it better. Um, but, like, between his technique and his, like, body type and the, the slow-footedness that you talked about, I, I, it's not like he's just, like, lumbering out there. But his body type, I think, the the not being narrow. You know, we've seen Max get around screens and just get skinny and and go right through, right, you know, around him, over him, under him, whatever. He gets really caught up in screens, and thankfully, he's you know a body size that can take on a role man. But screen navigation, if you want, if he's a wing stopper and you just don't want him to be there, just run a screen, right? <laughs> or like run yeah. a double drag, he's gone. <laughs> um, so, and this, I mean, this is part of the issue with like wing stoppers in general is like an anchor big it's easier to keep them around the rim impacting a lot of plays a wing stopper like run a ball screen or two and then you can most likely get them off of you so you know it costs the defense or costs the offense a couple seconds to do it but uh you know i i don't think he's the kind of guy teams are going to be scared of attacking on ball but if they do want to put lebron or I don't know, pick a player on ball instead of him. If, if, you know, Kawhi wants to go at Lonnie Walker instead of Rui, just run a ball screen and he's gone. So that limits his ability to harass for, you know, extended periods of the game, a specific wing scorer. So I, in that vein, I think, you know, the Lakers, depending on their, Rotation, right? And I don't know if Rui is a closing player. Um, I think he has the potential to be, uh, especially when AD comes back. But if he's going to be a wing stopper, he's ultimately going to be a low activity defender in a lot of possessions as well, right? Because he's going to get screened off and he's going to be on Tim Hardaway Jr. in the corner and Lucas can attack Austin Reeves or LeBron. But I think he gives you some some value there in size to be able to kind of do a, a handful of things fairly well. And I think that ability to be on ball and not be, um, you know, totally barbecue chicken um, could be valuable in the playoffs if they were able to get there. And it's valuable in cr- clutch time to have just a long dude. Yeah, 7-2 wingspan, uh, being able to contest some of these big weight, Jason Tatum, you know, Luka Doncic, you know, these shots that, it might not kill you in the you know every possession, but it's just a good look in the in the crunch time, and hopefully he can and kind of provide some more size and length there. Because yeah, again, size and length on defense, man, it can it's so like slightly debilitating. Each little oh, get a finger on this ball that put it you know balls going side out. It's those little. It's not all the def, uh, the steals and transition buckets you give up. It's all those opportunities that aren't made up because you didn't make that pass and that we can't quantify, um, but just by having a lot of size and length on the court. Mm-hmm. And speaking of difficulty quantifying things, off-ball defense would be the next topic that I'd want to talk about. And 
just like you were speaking about, if he, you know, there's a, a ball screen run and he switched off of a scoring wing and he's just off ball, the difference between one of those low activity players and a helper is basically whether or not you're going to rotate and help. And so this year, his job has been guard easy players and also not help, which is really <laughs> difficult to be highly impactful in because you're not doing anything. That's a great That's, you're job. Hiding. You're hiding. Yeah, it's really easy. It's really nice. Um, <laughs> I want to see more active helping from him. In the data, it's not that he never helps, but I think he could be a bit more active helping. He's a big guy. He, he disrupts at the rim when he does help. And it's easy with his size and his length for him to, you know, get out and recover and put a hand up. And, and that's that's hurtful for an offense, whether it's at the rim or on the perimeter. I need to watch more. Fi- this is going to be the, the part of his game that requires the most film for me to watch to get a better sense of is like how well is he like tagging or sinking or filling or those various things. It does help that the Lakers so far this year have been very heavy drop coverage 2v2 against a ball screen. Off ball guys don't need to help. That would mitigate the potential negative impact of him being weak in this, the way it has for Russ, the way it has for Walker, the way it has for some other guys, for Schroeder. So if it's not part of the job and he's bad at it, it matters less. Uh, You will eventually still need to rotate, even if it's not part of your ball screen coverage. So it does matter. This is important, but a little bit less so in this scheme. And if LA is switching, that's another coverage where it's a little bit less, you know, needed than if you were like blitzing or hard hedging or soft hedging so it's an area kind of tbd for him defensively just like shooting is maybe a tbd offensively from from three and if he's good at it good if he's not good at it it's like not great but it's not the worst thing in the world in this scheme um he is liable to get like back cut he can be very nonchalant off ball at times like he, he if you just watch him it like doesn't look like he wants to be there for a lot of possession. That's what um, I was going to bring up. It's and I, sorry to interrupt, but I, I I'm trying to like not just put on my narrative hat where it's just like, oh, he wanted out of Washington, so he's going to try so hard in LA. It part of that could be true, but I also look at it as like Darvin Ham is going to look at this guy and be like, Mike, dude, you can do some stuff on the defensive end, and here's how, right? Darvin Ham is going to recognize that this guy has those skills and he's going to hopefully, you know, hold him accountable for falling asleep, not coming down to help, not giving that extra rebounding effort. And I think just by the Lakers, hopefully embracing him as a basketball player, telling him, we want you here. This is what we want you to do. This is what we don't want you to do. Um, And kind of being as fair as possible. I do think, I do think we're going to see some, Hopefully, some Rui helper defensive highlights. I do think we will. I think so as well. He's got the size to do it. He, from an interior defensive standpoint, he has been really disruptive at the rim, more so than any of the Lakers' current guards or wings, other than I think JTA. Yeah, JTA. Uh, the if you look at like the field goal percentage against him at the rim compared to expectations. It doesn't go well when you're going against Rui at the rim, and that's really nice to have out of a wing for a team that's lacking rim protection with like Thomas Bryant at center often with a lot of guards out there. Usually, this this gives you kind of a secondary rim protector, which is really nice. Um, another part of his game defensively that is worth noting is like he's not he won't show up in the box score because he doesn't even though he disrupts well at the rim, he doesn't block shots like ever. 
he's not getting on ball steals. He's not getting off ball steals from, from like playing passing lanes. He's not picking pockets. He's barely getting deflections. He he's, he's there. <laughs> um, but throughout his career, not just this year in the low activity role, he hasn't been someone that's generating turnovers or disrupting offenses. And I'd love to see more than that. More than nothing would be great. Uh, but like my expectations are low because that's been his norm so far. But if the Lakers can get that out of him, that would be huge. If he's a disruptive big body, that's a secondary rim protector. That's so much more valuable than a big body guy that you keep away from the ball that doesn't disrupt the offense. Um, so it's been a weaker part of his game. I think there's potential given his his size, but we just haven't seen it yet. So I'm not going to bank on that. But if they can pull that out of him, that would be a pretty big deal to me. So it's better, you know, better kind of interior defense than I would have expected from a guy like him. But you got to you got to find out how that scheme put him in those positions and how we can we can replicate that. And it sounds like there's a lot of volatility in his game you know, the whole time in Washington and not really knowing where he stands, what he's, you know, going into in the beginning of the season. What what, are they, what do you want from me? Okay, I'm going to try to do this. Now try to do this. I think it partly shows that, like, te- the team maybe didn't know what to do with him um, mm-hmm. in terms of not just the, his own skill set, but the players around him, you know, trying to make the best team. Um, and... I think, you know, you can sell someone like this who, shit, I didn't even know about that Sabonis quote you you brought up. That's that's cool. That just makes me want to go into L.A. propaganda even harder. So we're like, oh, this guy's going to sign like a four for 64 deal. Like, oh, you want 18? <laughs> like, yeah, here's 16 and you're happy to be here. You know, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's the exceptionalism hats coming out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um Another part of his defense that is is going to be important is rebounding. He I don't think he's a he's not a fantastic rebounder, but in so two of his four seasons so far defensively, he's been used more as a wing and he's guarded more wing types of guys. He's been he's he's at a high win rate when he's in contested rebound battles those years. The two years he's been more of a big, he has had a very poor win rate. So, he can beat guards and he can beat wings, but if we use him as like a 4 or 5 it'll be more difficult um, for him to, to be beating those bigger players for boards, but he boxes out well. If he is playing some three, I think he's going to rebound really well. He has good crashing tendencies from what I've seen on film. And from a rebounding itself standpoint, I think only Max Christie's been, been you know more uh, productive than he has among the Laker wings. So he's not the best, but he's better than what Ellie's been working with. And I think that should be really beneficial because that's been an, an area of struggle that we've seen with the Lakers recently. So overall on defense, I guess just to overlook, like he, he doesn't foul a lot, right? He's not going to create turnovers, but he can mostly stay in front of guys and he's going to give you a, like a solid effort. He's not going to be super loud, I guess. Um, and and my hope that again I thought I think we will see some some aggressiveness from him as a helper because there's going to be that opportunity on this team you know there's going to be guards getting flown by and Thomas Bryant or or Wendy and Gabriel not being able to step over hopefully him as the tag man can you know 
just be big and use his verticality. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic about the defense because I know it's such a team and field scheme driven thing that he's going to have to grow into. But coming out of the all-star break, especially, I think we're going to start to see him hopefully increase that aggressiveness defensively. Cause I think they will ask that from him. Absolutely. Yeah. He guys, his size with his, you know, just physical tools should be able to do more than he's done so far. So I, I hope they ask that from him. I remember what I was going to mention earlier part of, so his roles changing every year is, you know, it makes it harder to perform. And an element of that is maybe Washington didn't know what they wanted him to be, or they didn't know what they wanted to be. Part of it too, is he wasn't exemplary in any of these combinations of roles. So some of it is like trying to figure out what works for him because a lot that they tried didn't work all that great. Him as a roll and cut big and mobile big combo, that's not a good way to use him. That was a bad season for him. There have been some that have been better seasons. I think the Lakers are going to find the right fit for him and from a role standpoint. And I think we'll see a better version of him because of that, along with the shot quality like you talked about, along with just the natural fit positionally, along with... You know, he's not great at a lot of these things defensively, but he's a step up from what we've been seeing from a rim protection standpoint, from a uh, rebounding standpoint. So he's helpful in the right ways, still has opportunity to grow, hopefully can be more confident, feel more belonging in his work environment. Um, You know, his engagement, his self-actualization maybe will be at a higher level and you can get more productivity out of him because of that. And so is there anything else, Tom, that you'd want to bring up about Rui Hachimura, the the player, the skill sets, the talent, before we look at like, all right, so where does he fit in the rotation? No, I think that's the big question to me now and uh, and whether or not this. So, okay, we're, we're, we're going to dive into it, but just first question I have. So are you sacrificing Troy Brown minutes or Max Christie minutes? I think Darvin Ham's going to sacrifice Max Christie minutes, but if yeah, it were me, me I'd be sacrificing the Trey Brown minutes, I think. Yeah, I agree. So just kind of laying out the basic kind of rotation, you know, the uh, Lakers have Schroeder and Russ at point. Uh, if Pat Bev Reeves maybe allows Troy Brown to slide down to two, which is a little bit more natural for him. Oh, and some Walker situations. Too. Yeah. We yeah. Gotta figure out Walker. Walker. Um, so Bev Reeves, Walker, Brown, now with the three, you have a real three like kind of wing with Rui, Troy Brown, Max Christie, uh, LeBron. If you want to play you know, a little bit bigger, then at power forward you have LeBron, Wenyan Gabriel, uh, JTA, and AD and Brian at center because Damian Jones uh, was was murdered. By <laughs> Jamie, yeah, circumstance. Yep. Uh, and then also Rui, I, I just, uh, didn't have this in my notes. Rui, he's been a power forward most of his career, so he could also he could fit in there. So. I'm interested to see how this ends up working out because I think Schroeder and Russ, you know, those are your ones that's locked in. AD and Bryant, those are your fives that's locked in. And then, you know, you know, LeBron's going to be a four, maybe play some three, you know, like Bev, you know, thank God won't need to be a wing anymore. Reeves and Walker won't need to be wings anymore. So like they should be twos, but then Troy Brown could be a two or he could be a three. He'll probably be a three. Um, then Rui and Brown, maybe Max are your threes. Uh, or if you like 
felt really good about Max and Brown, you could have Max and Brown be your threes with like some Bev or Walker, like small, small forward minutes. And then at the four, you could have LeBron and Rui. Um, so it's like the Lakers have a lot of options here. I think these are good problems to have. This could look a lot of different ways. They could look much bigger or much smaller. If they wanted to look big, they could have, and I haven't really thought this through of the viability of this, but they could go like Schroeder, Brown, Rui, LeBron, AD, and still keep AD at the five, but have like pretty good positional size at a lot of positions. On the smaller side, they could have like Schroeder, Reeves, Max, you know, LeBron, AD, or I don't don't know. Uh, I'm just looking for the smaller guys, but it can go a lot of different ways. So I'm not really, I'm not sure yet. I want to go update the rotation tool I made and play around with it and see what I think works. I would like to get Rui a good number of minutes with LeBron and AD, but with him playing, at least in the past, playing the same position as LeBron, that makes it more challenging for for him to get more minutes. So I'd imagine he's going to play some three and some four. And I don't know if that comes at the expense of Wayne Gabriel. I think it will come at the expense of JTA. And I think it will cut into Troy Brown's minutes and maybe cut Max out of the rotation. It really depends how they want to, who they want to use. (laughs) Because like, Like, man, they've got a lot of options now if they are healthy. Yeah. No, there's flexibility and especially, you know, through injuries, which are always going to come and go with all of your guys, right? I was just kind of cracking myself up though, Tim, because I was like, Hammond's going to fucking play Rui at the five before he plays Damian Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, wait I, wait for a, a, a Schroeder, Russ, Bev, Reeves, Rui lineup. Because, yeah, it's happening. They need more possessions, Tom. They need to, They need more possessions. Uh, we can't rebound quick. anyway, so let's just <laughs> fucking go. Yeah, it's going to be odd. If Rui can shoot or not, I think also impacts this. Like, if his three-point shot's not falling, you might see him more at the four. And if his threes are falling, it's easier to play him at the three. Uh, do Are the Lakers willing to play LeBron as a three? Or, like, have... Like, so from uh, looking at how often they're guarding different positions, LeBron has in earlier in his career was more of a small forward defender and then recently has been very, very heavy, more into the power forward range. Rui has always kind of been a power forward defender. So I'm curious between the two of them, who do they have guarding where? I would imagine if there's like a wing scorer, they'll put Rui on him. And otherwise, I don't know that it, I don't know. It could, if it's like a stretch big and a movement shooter, right? I'm not sure who I want where. I think it'll be a flex. You know, it'll be a flex depending on matchup where LeBron is going to not take the wing uh, or the high activity player, and you know maybe even take a center in some of these situations depending on whether it's AD or Thomas Bryant um, and who the center is, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the Lakers, if they really wanted to, could play, like, a massive lineup with fairly good switching skills with, like, a, you know, a, a pretty clumsy spacing. Um, but they could do it, and they've done weird shit like that. That's what's thrown out the guard lineup, you know? Like, a fucking weird, like, Thomas Bryant, AD, LeBron, Rui, Reeves, or or Pat Bev or something, where you're just like, we're bigger than you, and we're just going to, like 
run pick and roll until we get a lane to the basket and get fouled. Yeah. They, yeah. they could do a lot of different things. I think versatility, having options is good. What it'll likely mean is we'll probably see them try stuff out. Some of it will work well. Some of it won't work as well. And I'm sure fans will be very patient with Darvin Ham as he works through this. Um, so, yeah, I hopefully, you know, they try stuff out. They find the right stuff. I like that this adds some scheme versatility. Uh, I've got a fun, fun little uh, fact for you here, Tom. We have a, a metric at B-Ball Index called primary defender involvement rate. Uh, it's kind of looking at like how often are they, these defenders like, <laughs> like how are they do, how often are they doing stuff? Um, among the wings with 500 or more minutes, when I pulled this like a day or two ago, uh, of 121 players, Rui ranked 100th, LeBron ranked dead last at 121. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic ranked one, 104 and Gary Trent Jr. ranked 108. So among guys they do have in a couple that maybe they'll look into, they've been some of the, like, no, you, you guys figure it out. I'll be over here in the corner kind of defenders this season. Um, that's a usage stat. It's not necessarily an effectiveness stat, but uh, I do expect, like, Rui's going to have to up his game. He's going to be asked to do more defensively. And hopefully he's ready for that challenge. Yeah, it'll be something interesting to look out for. But at the end of the day, Tim, this is a low-cost move for the Lakers that also has a f- pretty good upside. Mm-hmm. Um, even in potential, you know, if, if it's not actualized, this is a very good, very good trade for the Lakers. And it's not just about the player that they got back. Uh, it's about the process. You know, being able to get a, depre- a depreciated asset. Um, and they added money to the tax this year to do it. Uh, at least in the short term, again, they could make more trades to lower that. But it's it's good to, again, yeah, you said it at the top, getting rid of a small guard who is functionally out of the rotation for a wing with size on a rookie contract that you have rights to. That's pretty unheard of. Yeah. And there's no way this ends up looking bad. Like the the it the only way this is like, oh wow, what a bad trade for like this season would be if like Kendrick Nunn goes to Washington and just starts going off or he he continues the hot scoring run. But even then it's like, well, he wouldn't have had the opportunity with this team because it, there were just so many other guards ahead of him when healthy. So I get that. It's a good from a short-term standpoint, he's a fit. Long term, you have his contract, you can keep him around. He's young. He's got the self-creation. There's upside. There's potential to here to be tapped into. We've got Phil Handy on the staff, Darvin Ham on the staff. These are guys that get more out of players. Um, it's a good cap trade, which I, I, I we've that hasn't been the most common thing for the Lakers. This is a win at the margins. And for a team that's been like, Definitely. you know, offering less years than they need to for Austin Reeves and Max Christie and guys like that, you know, being able to have someone that you can keep around longer term, that, that's nice. Uh, how well he shoots from three is going to be really important. And that might dictate just how much upside there is short term. But yeah, I'm, you got to be happy with this move at the end of the day. I'm, I'm pleased. Good job. And it came at a good time. Tim, uh, with AD expected to be back soon. We didn't even pot about that very much. I think we've been talking about it enough on the lead up. Um, but it's it's a good time. And the Lakers, I think, can still make a couple more moves. Um, and I'm just going to say it, Tim. If you 
if you don't want to trade two first round picks for Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, mm. just in your head, do the math of who would go and who would come back and what that team could look like. Interesting. What what a closing lineup could look like. Yeah. I would bet the next trade the Lakers make is a Damian Jones salary dump. That's my guess. Yeah. I, th- I think that uh, might be that might offset the uh, the the money they're bringing in here. So that's that's the kind of trade you call Cleveland. Usually used to call Cleveland for. So <laughs> um, like, hey, we need to you know get some salary off the books. Uh, JaVale McGee. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, yeah, I think you're r- probably right. The Lakers still do have a handful of second round picks if they want to trade. Um. They obviously have those first that they're pretty uh you know guaranteed not gonna trade if it's not top lottery protected so i think i feel confident saying that they're gonna try to get the best player they can get with that lottery protected like 27 yeah i'll be rooting for alec burks i think that's i i like him more than i like adding bojan to this especially after getting Rui. like i think defensively it's going to be challenging to positionally get the minutes and contain with like LeBron, AD, Rui, and Bojan all in the same roster. Like I, I think at that point you need more of a a smaller winger guard kind of guy. Um and I think Burks better fits that. So I that's someone I'm I'd be rooting for the team. If they can trade like Pat Bevin a first for him, I would I would do that. He's been he's been really solid this year. Um but you know we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think this is a good move. I don't expect the team's going to go like all in and trade both of their firsts until they get to see what this looks like. Because if this doesn't work out well, they're going to hang on to what they have, and they can look at this move as something that helps them long term and from a cap standpoint. But we got to see. You know, Reeves hopefully back soon. Walker hopefully hopefully back soon. AD coming back soon. This team's in a good spot, standing standings wise, and you know reinforcements are on the way, even if not you know big names via trade. All right, that's going to do it for us, folks. As always, send us a five star review in your podcast player of choice, and we will get you that Discord link where there's a lot of cool stuff going down. Tim, I know you threw up a bonus pod this week, right? That's correct. Yeah, I've got some more on the way. We're going to do a Q and A soon. Uh, but threw up one bonus pod. Uh, so yeah, check out Discord. Different tiers have different values of of things you can get. X's and O's stuff. We did an X's and O's course recently. I've got my uh, scheme tracker document with <laughs> hours of Tim's life uh, in it. Um, <laughs> so lots of great stuff in there. Want to shout out the friends of the pod: TJ Timotaji, Zach Harris, Q Daddyo, iPod Shuffle, Romario, Chamber, Miguel, T Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abdulrahman, Keniel Nason, Eric, and Doppel. All for living the high life with us in the owner's box. Um, also to the courtside and lower bowl crews. Shout out to everyone in those. If you want to join the Discord, check out the link in my bio. It's tinyurl.com slash support LakersXPod or LakersXPod, whichever you prefer. Uh, or just DM me, Tom, or uh, whichever of Tom and uh, Johnny is running the podcast Twitter account, and they can get you in there as well. Lots of fun with that. And then, of course, Tom, we also have our playback streams, which have been a blast. We've been doing every game recently. Um, so much fun. fun. Thankfully, we've gotten some Super really good games, fun. too. Like uh, that Portland game, 
I did that one by myself. Insanity. It was looking rough. I was like, I people were like, I, might, I was watching. I might tune out here at halftime, but they stuck yeah. around and we had a good time. Yeah. Um, whether it Taylor's on and it's story time or you and I are on and we're breaking down the game or it's just me and I just go full scheme mode. It's uh, there are different looks of how it can be, but it's it's a it's been a bunch of fun. We got to get some fun guests on there. Um, so go check that out. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. Just show up, hang out for five minutes, give it a try. If you don't like it, don't don't come back. Um, but if you, you know, are sick of, you know, watching Lakers games and being ahead of people or behind people and like me not wanting to look at Twitter and have things spoiled or look at the Discord chat and not have things spoiled, you're synced up all at the same time watching it this way. And then instead of listening to like Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller and whoever commentating, you can listen to you can listen to us. So uh, it's it's been a good time. Well, I'm at the point, Tom, and this is uh, this is what you get for wasting hours and hours of your life watching every Lakers play. I as soon as the Lakers start to run a play, I'll be able to be like, this is what's happening. This is what's about to happen and like call it out before it happens, which has been fun. Um, so yeah, go check that out as well. That's playback.tv slash Lakers watch party, or we tweet about it a good bit as well. So check all of that out. If you want to support us, continue the conversation, but I, yeah, I think that's all we got. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.